And welcome to the first part of our new series, Waters Church at the Movies. Um, I want you guys to keep that energy up for a second because we need to welcome everyone that's watching online. We want to welcome all you. Can we give them a little round of applause? Let's show them how we do it here. All right. Welcome to everyone watching online. Um, Anyone watching on TV, we're we're so happy that you could join all of us here, and we hope that you can uh, join us in person sometime soon. So, yes, yes. If you you don't know already, my name is Joshua Vining. I am a small group leader here at Waters Church, and uh, I'm so honored to be able to start off this new series at the movies uh, with you guys. This is one of those series where... I've came, Waters Church has been my home for, I think, close to, I was thinking about this last night, I think close to six years, and this At The Movie series is, is always one of the most memorable series for me. I mean, I can, I can think back of when we did movies like Shawshank Redemption, uh, Braveheart, you know, it's always one of those uh, most memorable, maybe it's just because I'm a, I'm a movie buff and I, I like movies, but it, it's always one of those exciting uh, series, so I'm just glad to to be a part of it uh, with you guys today. Um, if you're confused, if this is your first time being at Waters Church or you're confused about what, this, what is going on here and why we got movies on the screen, I'm, I'm gonna explain it to you. Uh, at the Movie series is really a series where we take uh, popular movies, uh, movies that are of, of recent time within the last year or two, right? And we, and we show you how some of the stories in these movies point to biblical truths in the Word of God. So that's what we're gonna, we're gonna do today. And we're gonna start off the series with looking at one of my favorite movies in the last couple of years. It's called Knives Out. Have any of you guys seen the movie Knives Out? Okay, good, for the people that have seen it. For the people that haven't seen it, I'm just gonna give you a spoiler alert right off the bat. I, I'm gonna spoil some scenes of the movie for you, okay? It is what it is, but I don't want you to leave because of that because I really believe that God wants to speak to all of us today, and I don't think that God really cares about if I spoil a movie for you. He wants to get his word into our hearts and our souls today. So please stay, don't leave, okay? Um, If you haven't seen Knives Out, uh, it would be, I think, classified as a murder mystery movie with maybe like a a touch of comedy, because I think it's kind of funny too. You know, and it, it stars Daniel Craig, who I have to say is the greatest James Bond character of all time. I got to put that out there for you guys because Pastor Tim said something two weeks ago. Yeah, see, there it is. Yeah, Pastor Tim said two weeks ago, Sean Connery, really? Okay, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's a generational thing, but Daniel Craig, you cannot beat him at James Bond. But anyway, yes, he's in this movie. Um, and as we go through this movie, we're going to look at, at an underlying theme that's played out throughout this whole entire movie. And it's this theme of, of greed, of greed. And I believe that, that you guys are gonna, gonna see that theme come out very uh, thickly, I guess you could say, very, very apparent as we go through some of the scenes from this movie and, and as we get into God's word. So I want to start off today just by getting into God's Word. We're going to be in in Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, um, verses 13 through 21. So if you have your your physical Bibles on you, you can open up to that. Uh, If you don't, you can open up to Luke chapter 12 right on your your iPhones. Uh, And also, uh, waterschurch.guide, you can follow right along uh, with me. There's going to be some notes that you can fill in 
And uh, yes, that will make you more holy if you follow along with me. No, I'm just joking. But I would like for you to follow along if you could. But Luke chapter 12, we're going to be in the NIV version. That's what I'm going to read out of. And if you guys could, let's just all uh, stand together as we, uh, as we read God's word here and get started. <clears throat> Luke chapter 12, starting with verse 13. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. And this is God's word. Let's bow in prayer over this service today. Father God, we just come humbly into your presence right now, Lord. Just so thankful that we can come into the throne room, Lord, into your presence, Lord. Anytime, any place, anywhere, Lord. Lord, I just ask that as we go through this message today, Lord, that you just put the words that you want to speak to your people on my lips today, Lord. Open up the hearts of each individual in this room to receive exactly what you want to speak to them, Lord. Lord, we know that your word says that it never comes back void, Lord. So, Lord, Lord plant a seed in each of our hearts this morning, Father. And, Lord, we just ask that everyone in this room sees you, Jesus, and you only through everything that happens in this place. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's have a seat, guys. <clears throat> All right. I'm not good with titles of messages. I've told you guys this before. But I, I titled this message, The Trust Factor. The Trust Factor. As you can tell from that parable, there's, it's very apparent what the theme of that parable is. It's greed, right? Jesus says, he says, uh, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of Greed. And greed is such an interesting sin. It's very interesting because I think of greed as, as, as like a, a sneaky sin, okay? It's really sly, right? Greed isn't like other sins when, when you know that you're doing it, right? Like if, if, if there is adultery in your life, you know if you had an affair, right? You can admit that. Uh, sins like addiction, right? You know you have a problem. You, you, you know when you have an addiction problem usually. Or, or murder, right? Murder. We can all agree. We know that's wrong. We know when somebody's a murderer, right? 
But greed is different. Greed is one of those sins where most of the time you never know that you have greed in your own heart. Like we have great radars in seeing greed in other people. Oh, don't get me wrong, right? If Aunt Susie's a little greedy, we say, no, I don't want to go over her house. She hasn't given me a Christmas gift in three years. She's greedy, right? We don't want to be friends with anyone that's greedy. No, we can see it from a mile away. Heck, we don't even want to sit by somebody in, in church that might be a little greedy, right? We can always see it in someone else. And that's what we see in this parable here. We see in this parable a, a, a guy that, that, that comes out of the crowd and, and the first thing he says to Jesus is, tell my brother to give me the inheritance. Translation, my, my brother is greedy, I'm not. Tell him to give me the inheritance. He can see greed in other people but not in himself. And that's the underlying thing that we see in this movie here as we get into some of these clips here. You're gonna, you're gonna see that each and every one of the, the children of the, of the old man that's the wealthy old man, every, every one of the children can see greed in their siblings but can never see it in themselves. And, and I know even by saying that and by telling you, listen, it's easy to see in other people but we need to be on our guard uh, against greed in our own hearts. I know even by saying that, some of you guys are probably still sitting there saying, well... Yeah, this message doesn't really have anything to do with me because I'm not rich, and so I don't really need to listen. I don't own anything. I don't own a business. Okay, well, I'm gonna put that to rest right now, all right? If you look at the parable here, who does Jesus call the rich fool? Yeah, you don't have to answer that. Don't worry, I'm gonna answer it for you, okay? I'll tell you this. He doesn't call somebody that lives in a mansion a rich fool. He doesn't call a Pharisee a rich fool, believe it or not. He doesn't call somebody that lives in a palace or somebody that owns Amazon a rich fool. No, Jesus calls a farmer a rich fool. A farmer. Okay, okay, let, let me say this to you as well. If you live in the United States, which, yep, all you guys look like we live here, okay, and you have an average household median income of $34,000 a year or more, guess what? You're in the top 1% of earners in the entire globe. You are richer than 99% of people. That's right. The American middle class is rich. So, so maybe we could call this, this parable the middle class fool. Maybe that would, that would hit home with all of us a, a little more. Right, and, and I say this not to, not to tell you that, that wealth is bad or not to tell you that it's, that it's a sin to be wealthy because that's not what Jesus is saying here at all. No, no, that's wrong and that's, that's not right. Actually, matter of fact, God blesses people with wealth. Wealth is not wrong. I mean, we, we see David, King David is a wealthy, wealthy man in the Bible, right? We see King Solomon. Solomon was the richest man to ever walk the face of the earth. God blessed him with those riches. So, so Jesus is not saying that it's, that it's a sin to be wealthy, and that's not what we're saying here today. Jesus didn't call this man a rich fool because he was rich. He called this man a fool because he trusted in his riches. And that's the issue right there. When we start to trust in what we have. When we start to trust in our possessions. See, and that's what leads to greed. 
When we start to trust that what we have or, 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 or what, what belongs to us, when we start to trust that that is what's gonna give us meaning in life or that's what's gonna fill that empty void in our heart or that's what's gonna make me uh, 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 feel secure, right? When we start to trust in that, what it leads to is greed of getting more of that because we're starting to have this mindset that this is what's gonna bring happiness and joy. I'm trusting that this is what's gonna make me content in life. So we start to be greedy to want more and more and more. You know, what's this, what's this word that we've heard the most probably out of 20, out of this year, 2020? You know what it is? Safe, safety. Keep yourself safe. Make sure you and your family are safe. It doesn't matter about anybody else. Make sure you're safe. So whatever that takes, if you have to, if you have to hoard up as much food as you can, go to the grocery store, grab 40 packages of meat. I don't care if they don't fit in your freezer. Make a bigger freezer. Grab more because it's about keeping yourself safe. You know what? Uh, uh, maybe, maybe grab some more possessions. Grab some more stuff. Bring it in your house. Keep yourself safe. you got to weather the storm here. Maybe for another year. We don't know how long things are going to go on. So the more stuff you can get for yourself, you can trust that that's going to keep you safe. That's going to make you feel secure. Don't worry about your neighbor. You know what? Even if your neighbor's in need, eh, you got to stay six or eight feet away from them because you don't want to get sick or you don't want them to get you or your family sick. So stay right away from them. It's about trusting that these possessions are going to keep us safe and secure. So, so it, it's this idea of greeting and hoarding up things. And Jesus says, you fool. This isn't going to keep you safe. In the parable, he, he shows us, he shows us that, that, the man that thought that these things were going to bring him comfort and joy and peace and safety and security, Jesus shows us right in that one line, he says, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. And then what's gonna happen with everything? You know, what Jesus is telling us is, if, if you are building your life to trust after your possessions, after what you have, if you're making your life focused on, on trying to get more stuff and more things, then what you're gonna end up finding out in the end is that all that stuff was temporary because you could be gone in an instant or your job could be gone tomorrow if we go back into another eight-week lockdown, who knows? And everything that you thought was gonna make you feel secure, the bank account and everything could be gone. Or you could be gone. And listen, greed doesn't just come in the form of money. Because Jesus says here, he says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Greed can be time. Nah, you know what? I worked 40 hours this week. I ain't got time to help out on ch at church on Sunday. Now, I ain't got time to help, help the lady that lives next door to me. No, I ain't got time for that. It's about me and my family. I ain't got time to help out anybody else. No, no, I'm saving my time for myself. I gotta watch football. I gotta be by myself. I gotta be with my family. Nobody else involved. It's just about me. We can be greedy with so many things. I watched this, this podcast like two weeks ago, and it was, it was one of the most interesting questions I've ever heard on a podcast. I'm not going to say the podcaster's name because I don't want you guys to judge me on what podcasts I watch, okay? But the guy asked, there was a, a very, very wealthy, older individual that was on this podcast, and the podcaster asks this man this most interesting question. He says, you are so established in life. You're so successful. You have everything. And you're getting closer to the end of life. He's like, 
If I ask you right now, would you rather be old and wealthy or young and poor, what would be your answer? And the older individual sat there and he paused for a second, he thought about it. And then he said, I'd rather be young and poor. And the podcaster said, why? And he said, well, I think there's some things I could have done differently to bring more meaning to my life. And it was such an interesting answer. Because what it showed me was is this, this individual from what I saw had spent their whole life gathering together things for themselves, gathering together possessions for themselves, believing that this is what was gonna bring value and meaning to their life. This is what was gonna bring happiness and joy to their life. And this maybe ultimately was gonna save them and make them feel much more secure. And what they're realizing is, is now as they get closer to the end, to the finish line, that the inevitable is coming and all the stuff he had wasn't gonna save him in the end and he wished he would have done it a little differently in life and so the question I, I want us to ask ourselves today is how do we make sure we don't trust in our riches that's the question that's what leads to greed how do we make sure we don't trust in our riches and I believe that the Lord has given me some truths to share with you guys today. That if we get these truths in our hearts, and this is for me too, guys, just so you know. I mean, when, I, when God spoke this to me, it convicted me so much. But I believe that if we get these truths today in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds, this will help us watch out and be on our guard against greed as Jesus spoke. So I'm gonna give you guys the first truth, but before I do, I want you to take a look at this, uh, this clip from the movie here, because it's gonna help illustrate my first point right here. Yeah, it's a quick clip, but it's, it's a powerful clip, because there's one line in it that is, is one of the most important lines of the movie. He says, funny Ransom, you skipped the funeral, but you're early to the will reading. What's going on is Ransom's family is calling his heart into question, right? He's saying, it seems to me like you didn't love dad. You didn't love the old man, but you surely love what the old man can give you. And the funniest thing about it was, going back to what we talked about before, is the whole family was basically the same way. I mean, honestly, you don't even see much emotion from this family when the father passes away until later on in the movie when they find out they don't get anything out of it, right? So they all had the same heart. They all had the same heart of, they didn't really have a love for the father, they just had more of a love for what the father could give them. And this is the same thing we see in this parable here that, that, that we see in Luke chapter 12. Right, right before the passage that we just read, Jesus is actually giving one of the greatest sermons the, the world has ever heard, right? Because it is Jesus, so he's gonna give the best, okay? He's talking about uh, not being anxious for anything. He's talking about how God has every hair on your head numbered, right? It's the most amazing sermon, and all of a sudden, some guy out of the crowd just interrupts Jesus and asks him a question, which... I don't know why this keeps happening. I don't know why people do this to Jesus, to be honest with you. Like, I could understand maybe if somebody interrupted me, but Jesus, okay, I wouldn't dare do it, but this guy did. But the interesting thing was, is the question that the guy asked Jesus, right at the beginning of this passage, right? He says, Jesus, 
tell my brother to give me the inheritance. What he's saying is, is Jesus, and, and listen, the guy could have asked Jesus anything, right? He could have said, Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? Jesus, how do I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? But that's not what he asked Jesus. He said, Jesus, do something for me. Give me something, right? I'm guessing that this guy has seen Jesus do miracles above and beyond he could even imagine, right? He has seen Jesus go around and heal the sick and heal the blind, and now he says, listen, I came here because I want Jesus to do something for me. Jesus, make my brother give me the inheritance, right? And what it speaks to is, 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 a, is, a bigger, is a bigger heart problem. It speaks to this guy, this guy loving Jesus for what he could give him more than just loving Jesus for who he is. And that's my first point I want you guys to understand. You can write this down. It's not about what I can inherit, but who inherited me. <clears throat> it's not about what I can inherit from God. It's about who inherited me. Yes, it is possible to be greedy even towards God. You know, I thought about this a lot, and I, and I thought to myself, isn't it interesting how many times we will say, yes, I love you, Jesus. Yes, I just love the Lord with everything I got. I just love him for who he is, right? We say that all the time, but the interesting thing is, is Half the time, the only time we'll actually speak to him or want to be in conversation with him is, is, is when we need something. Like, Lord, Lord, my, my family is sick. My kids uh, got down with a flu. I don't know what's going on. Lord, heal my family. Or, or I, I just lost my job or my boss is doing something to aggravate me and I have some money issues. Lord, I need your help right now. But when everything's going good in our life, and everything seems to be just rolling along. Eh, I ain't got time to talk to you today, Lord. I actually, I probably don't even have time to talk to you this week. And that's so interesting because anyone else that we love in life here on earth, right? We would never say, I love that person, so I don't want to talk to them for two weeks. I, I don't want to take any time out for them for maybe a month. You know, if we love somebody, we want to spend time with them regardless if they can give us anything out of it or not. And I just, I challenge that for us today. Do we love God for who he is? Or do we just love Jesus because we know he can do all these amazing things for us? Ephesians 1, 11 through 14 says this. In him... You also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. You know what that passage is saying? It's saying that you are Christ's inheritance if you put your faith and trust in him. It says that you are his purchased possession. That when he sacrificed his life on the cross and took the debts of our sin, our guilt, and our shame upon himself, it says that he purchased us. And now we are his purchased possession. We are his. To his glory. And what it tells me is that God has already done way more, abundantly more than I could ever think of or imagine for me. So if God does nothing else in my life ever again, he's already done way more than enough. 
And I will just praise him for that. And I will just love him for that. Because why? Because he first loved me. It tells me that it doesn't matter about what I can inherit or get from God. Even if he does nothing else in my life, he's already done more than enough. So I will just love him for him because he has inherited me. And how, how do you know that you've been inherited by the Lord? It says it right in there. The Holy Spirit will be the guarantee of your inheritance. If you have the Holy Spirit inside your heart today, you are God's inheritance. You are, you're his inheritance. So I'm not gonna worry about what God can give me. I'm not gonna make my life about, all right, Lord, I'm just gonna talk to you or spend time in your word when you can do something for me or when things aren't going right in my life. No, no, I'm just gonna love God because of who he is, because he is holy, because he is powerful, because he is worthy of my praise and my love unconditionally. I'm gonna get alone with him and sit in his word because, you know what, I just wanna be in his presence because he's my father. Because he's my savior. And that's the type of heart we need to make sure that we have. We need to examine our hearts and see, see, are we truly, do we truly have a love for Christ regardless? Or is it just when things are going wrong and we need him? And this is the most amazing thing about it is, is even though God doesn't have to do anything more for us, even though he's done way more than we deserve by giving us salvation, Guess what? He still blesses us. He still ain't gonna stop doing anything for you. Matter of fact, in the same passage that we just read, just a, further, a few verses down, <clears throat> Jesus says in verse 24, look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns, for God feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than any birds. You're far more valuable to the Lord than any animal on the face of this planet. God's gonna provide for us regardless. But our heart can't be about what God can give us. It needs to be about him who's already inherited us, Christ. I got a second truth for you here in a second I'm gonna give, but first, I got another clip that's gonna illustrate the second point I want us to, to know. Oh, such a great scene. Oh, I love it. That, that's probably my favorite scene of the whole movie, to be honest with you. Uh, but, but why I showed you guys that scene was because I wanted you to see the emotion that was so wrapped up with these people and their possessions. Like what happened when they found out that everything that they were trusting in, everything that they thought was gonna bring all this joy and peace in their life was taken away in a split second. And this brings me to my second point I want you guys to write down. Peace comes from heaven, not from earthly possessions. See, in our culture today, I think we've mixed up a couple things here. I think we've mixed up this word peace with this word that, that the world has invented called comfort. We've mixed those two things up before. And I wanna tell you guys right now that comfort is the counterfeit of heavenly peace. Right, because comfort is this idea that's out there that if I just get a little bit more, then I'll be comfortable. 
Like, like I just need a little bit more money and then I'll feel secure, okay? Just a little bit more. Well, how, how much more do you need? I, I don't know, maybe $10,000 more. Okay, $10,000 more. But what happens when you get the $10,000 more? Everybody knows this. Yeah, I, maybe I need another 5,000 past this, right? Because it never truly fulfills what comfort promises to fulfill. It's a counterfeit. I just need a little bit more. I just need a little bit more, maybe a few more friends that follow me on social media and then I'm gonna feel happy with who I am. Or I just need a little bit bigger house, just a little bit bigger and then my family will feel secure. Then my family will feel safe if we just get an addition. Well, how big of an addition? I don't know, a thousand square feet maybe? I don't know about that, right? But then we don't see more comfort, maybe for a month or two months until you have to clean it. Right? Comfort never fulfills what it promises to fulfill. And we see the same thing in this parable. We see this, this, this rich fool who, who stores up everything in his barns, right? It says his barns are completely full. And then it says that he has a surplus, right? And then he says, all right, I'm going to build in a little addition. I'm going to get a little more. And then he says, that, then I can sit back, eat, drink, and be merry. Translation, he says, now I can be comfortable because I got a little bit more. But we all know what happens. It's gone in a moment. Or he's gone in a moment. And this isn't a message against savings, so I don't want you guys to take this the wrong way. That's not what I'm saying here. No, savings is, is being responsible with God's money that he's given us, right? Savings is a biblical principle. We see savings throughout the Bible, right? Joseph, right, was anointed by the Lord. He was, he was risen up to second in command of Egypt behind, behind Pharaoh, right? And he was raised up there for a purpose, that he, would, that he would save the grain in the land for seven years during, during the plentiful season so that when the seven years of drought came, there'd be enough grain, enough food to feed the Israelite nation and feed uh, Egypt, right? So savings is not wrong. I'm not talking about savings. Listen, this rich man had savings. His barns were full, right? I'm talking about surplus. And savings and surplus are different. I could probably preach a message on that. Savings and surplus, okay, But that's what comfort tells us. Comfort tells us that if I just get a little bit more things in my life, then I'm going to be comfortable. Then I'm going to be content. Then I'm going to be happy. Then I'm going to have joy. Then I'm going to then I'm going to I'm going to feel secure. My family's going to be all set if I just get a little bit more. But the problem with chasing after comfort and and trusting that your things are going to fulfill all these voids in your life is that if you start chasing after comfort, you're going to live your whole life in fear of the unpredictable. Because we all know all these things are temporary. We all know it's not gonna last forever. And so if that's what our life is consumed about, we're gonna live a pretty fearful, anxious life. And so... Comfort says that when our circumstances are good, we'll be content and happy, right? While they're good. While our circumstances are good, comfort tells us we're going to be content and we're going to be happy. But heavenly peace tells us that even when our circumstances are bad, I can be content and I can be happy. See, there's a difference between comfort and peace. 
Peace tells me that no matter what my circumstance is, I can be content and I can be happy. And the apostle Paul, he, he said it like this in Philippians 4, verse 11 through, through 13. He said, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. <clears throat> what Paul is saying is, listen, I've had it all before and I've had nothing. And I've had plenty to eat so my belly was full and I've been hungry before. But I have a heavenly peace that doesn't matter what my circumstance is. I can be content and I can be happy. Why? Because it is Christ who gives me the strength. That's where my peace comes from. He is my strength, he is my rock, he is my fortress, he is my firm foundation, I can keep going on. He is my deliverer, he is my savior, he goes before me, he comes behind me. I can have a peace that surpasses all understanding because my peace doesn't come from my things, my peace comes from him. So it doesn't matter if empires rise or empires fall. It doesn't matter who the president is or who the president is not. It doesn't matter if there's sickness in my family or health in my family. It doesn't matter if I have a, a job that pays me plenty or if I have no job at all. I can have peace through any circumstance. Because it comes from Christ. And we need to understand that. We need to examine that in our life. We can't just say it. We have to understand that and truly believe that and know that. It's not going to be our things that give us security. It's going to be Christ. He can give us peace even in the midst of a storm. We can have peace. You know, <clears throat> I want to talk to Christians in the room for a second, specifically Christians. The Bible doesn't talk about comfort, just so you know. I haven't found it. Maybe, maybe you can show me. But I've never seen Jesus talk about being comfortable. <clears throat> Matter of fact, Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says to his disciples, <clears throat> whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. That's a powerful line. Do you know what the cross signifies? What the cross symbolizes? The cross symbolizes suffering. The cross signifies sacrifice, right? That's what Christ did on the cross. And he's telling us that if we wanna be his disciples, you have to be willing to suffer for my namesake. You have to be willing to sacrifice for my namesake. Like I wonder, are, are, are we... Are we as Christians, are we living a life of sacrifice for others? Are we helping others that are in need? Are we sacrificing our time and energy to go to places that no one else will go to? Whatever, whether that be homeless shelters or whatever else. Are we, are we actually truly taking time out of our days intentionally to sacrifice for others? Are we living a life where we don't, we don't worry about if there's going to be suffering, if people are going to come against us? Because listen, guys, we're living in a day and age right now where it's going to get more and more hostile against Christians. And you're going to start to have to ask yourself, are you willing to suffer for Christ? Maybe not physically, maybe it's going to be emotionally. I don't know. 
But are we willing to do what is right? Are we willing to shine the light of Christ to the world by being givers, by helping others, by whether that be financially, whether that be uh, uh, physically with, with time and energy? Are we willing to do that? Like, I don't know how else to take that passage. And I know it's a tough one. It's a tough one for me. But I think as Christians, we need to examine our hearts and we need to examine our lives. And if we can truly sit here today and we can say, if we could describe our lives today as, yeah, my life's just pretty comfortable. We gotta really start to ask ourselves, are you, are you really following Christ the way that we should be? Because there's nothing in here that tells me that my life should be completely comfortable. And I know that's hard. It was hard when the Lord showed that to me. But don't get mad at me about saying this is the word of God. This is what he says. And it's cool because uh, I've had a lot of people say to me before, and I've thought this before too. Man, as a Christian, I would love to see supernatural breakthrough happen in my life. I'd, I'd love to see a miracle happen in my life. I'd love to see something, you know, just supernatural happen because I never get to see it. I always hear about other people that, that have supernatural things happen in their life, miraculous thing where, where God comes through uh, at the last minute or does something miraculous and blows people's minds away, right? But I never have that happen in my life. And I, I wonder to myself, what is the common denominator every time I hear these, these, these people that have these supernatural things happen in their life? And you, you know what I've found? Is that every single one of them had sacrificed something beforehand. They'd lived a life of sacrifice to the point where they said, all right, Lord, I have to trust in you now for this. And if you don't come through, I don't know what's going to happen. And guess what? God provided always and forever. He always provided for them in the end. And that's how you see something supernatural happen because they actually didn't put their trust in what they could get. They didn't say, all right, I'm going to take my safety and everything in my own hands. But they said, no, no, I'm going to lay everything out on the line. Yeah, it may be a little risky. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that my God will provide in the end. And they see something supernatural happen in their life. Because peace doesn't come from earthly possessions. It comes from him. And this is the beautiful thing. You can't lose peace that comes from the Prince of Peace. That was better than you guys gave me a thing for. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. <clears throat> Our last point. Before I get to it, I want to I read this passage to you. It's out of 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. And, and this is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to Timothy. <clears throat> and I think this passage... Literally, Paul just sums up the entire parable that we just read from Jesus in this one passage to Timothy. Listen to this. He says, teach those who are rich in the world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. There's that word trust again. He's saying, don't trust in your money. And look at what he says next, which is so unreliable. It can be gone at any time. It ain't gonna fulfill what you thought it would. He says, their trust should be in God. Who, is, who richly gives all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will, and here's the next couple words I want you guys to remember, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. 
Paul says, if you live a life of giving, if you live a life where you're just trusting in the Lord and you're giving to others and you're helping others and you're living a sacrificial life for others, he says, listen, there's gonna be treasures being stored for you up in heaven. And it's the same thing that Jesus said. He just flipped it. But Jesus said in verse 21 of that parable we read, after, after the rich, rich fool's life is demanded of him, Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So what Jesus is telling us and what Paul is saying to us is that this life isn't about storing up things for yourselves. It's not the things that will keep you safe. It's not the things that will make you happy. It's not the things that will make you content. This life as a follower of Christ is about giving to others. In whatever form that may be. Whether that's, whether God's called on your heart to give to a ministry financially, whether God's put on your heart to give your time and your efforts towards something, to sacrifice some stuff out of your life so that you can give to others, whatever that may be, that's what this life is about. And my third truth that I want us to get in our hearts is that our focus should be on giving and God takes care of the storing. I think we'll put it up there. We focus on giving. God takes care of the storing. The amazing thing about this passage is that it shows us that you're not really actually giving anything up, honestly. That even though you're giving up temporary pleasures here on earth, temporary things that you think are gonna make you feel comfortable here on earth, right? He's saying, no, you're not really giving them up because these things are temporary anyway. They're gonna be gone anyway. Like, like the old saying says, you're not gonna have a U-Haul behind your hearse, right? Like it ain't coming with you. So you're not really giving much up, he said, because yeah, you're giving up a little bit of this temporary stuff, but what you're getting in, he in heaven is a treasure that no moths can eat through, that no rust will, will rust out, that will last for eternity for your enjoyment in heaven with Christ. And I just wanna say, man, I... I I've seen people with, fir with firsthand, my own eyes, I've seen people with this type of sacri sacrifice in their life. Man, I talked to somebody on Tuesday, and I'm not going to say their names. I'm not going to embarrass them. They do go to our church. But I remember going up to him on Tuesday, and I said, man, I've seen you for the last five years just week in and week out serve you and your wife. Every single week, I said. And I know this guy's story. I know that he's had a child that's had some very major health issues in his life. Like really, really tough stuff. And yet him and his wife never stopped serving the Lord. Like just a life of giving. A life of not storing anything up for themselves, but saying, we trust God. And I have a peace that no matter what's going on in my child's life, no matter what's going on in the world, I have a peace that surpasses all understanding because it comes from the Prince of Peace. It comes from Christ. And it, yeah, it was such an amazing thing. And I, I just had to tell him that. I just had to say, man, you were such an inspiration to me because I look at somebody like you and I tell the Lord, I gotta have a heart like that where I stop wasting any time for myself because I believe time is running short in this life. And I don't wanna get to the end and not have a legacy that said, wow, this man served the Lord. This man didn't live for comfort. He picked up his cross and he followed Christ the whole way.
So we focus on giving. God takes care of the storing. But I want to say this last thing. You got to have a home in heaven if you're going to enjoy the treasures that are stored up there for you. And what I mean by that is you don't have a home in heaven by doing good things. Like, I don't want you to go through this whole message and just think, okay, all I have to do is just be a good person and I'm going to be in heaven with the Lord. No, no, no. That's not how it works. The Bible says, for by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, but as a gift from God, not by works shall any man boast. We have a home in heaven for eternity because we put our faith and trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's where our heaven comes from. So I got, I got one last clip I want to give you guys right here, and then I'm going to close us up right after the clip's over. Yeah, it's probably one of the most emotional scenes of the movie, but it's such a beautiful scene. Because in that moment, Marta thinks that she messed something up. She didn't look at the labels on the, on the medicine, and she thinks that she gave the old man basically a death sentence. And it's beautiful because right when she's calling, and, and he knows it's not going to help at all, and she can call for the ambulance. They wouldn't be there in time, and it wouldn't save him. All it would do is she would end up probably going to prison, losing her own life, and taking the punishment for what, what she deserves. So in that moment when he hangs up the phone, you can tell in, in the older man's eyes that he is willing to make the ultimate sacrifice so that she doesn't take the punishment. Can you all stand with me? That scene just reminds me so much of the gospel. That Jesus Christ sacrificed his life on the cross 2,000 years ago so that we wouldn't have to take the punishment that we deserved. You see, God is holy. Holier than you can even fathom in your mind. And God is perfect. And God is a just God. So to be just, you cannot just allow sin to go unpunished. We deserve death. We deserve eternal damnation in hell. But God loved us too much for that. So he sacrificed his only begotten son, Jesus, on a cross to take that punishment on his shoulders, on himself, so that we could have life everlasting in heaven for eternity with our Father. He took the punishment that we deserved. He paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we wouldn't have to pay it if we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus.